The following program has been pre-recorded. On this episode of Belonging, the show for young Catholic adults, we have Matt Pernick, a young adult living here in Nashville. He talks about his life as a college student at Clemson, the men's ministry he's involved in, and what he's doing now. Men need to be intentionally you know, sought after as a friend and a brother first. Once they're pursued and, and, and they, they feel included, they can actually start coming to things. So it took, you know, about two years, re- realistically, before we had guys showing up to confession on a monthly basis. Next. This program is made possible by the generous donations of Jeannie and Bill Stasekel, members of Christ the King Parish in Nashville, and by a grant from the Cook Foundation. Take advantage of the many opportunities for young people in the Nashville Diocese to connect and find belonging. Like University Catholic, a community of college-age students who are serious about their faith and unite in fellowship and friendship to deepen their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Go to universitycatholic.org to find out more. You can also connect with young Catholics like you by attending events like Summit Music City. It's a night of music followed by adoration and reconciliation. It's free and open to young people of all faiths. Go to soundscatholic.com. To find the right young Catholic connection for you, call the Catholic Youth Office of the Diocese of Nashville, 615-645-9762. Hello and welcome to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio, the show for young adults here in the Diocese of Nashville. Uh, my name is Zach Jansen. We have Father Gervon with us, the chaplain at University Catholic. Uh, and this week we're joined by Mr. Matt Peronick. Uh, does a lot with a lot, a lot of men's ministry. Uh, has a, a stamp here in Nashville. With a lot that he does is a, a great young man, a, a good Catholic that we're happy to know here. So Matt, thank you for being on the show this week. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zach. I'll tell you just a, a brief little bit about myself. Yeah, know so, yourself too. Yeah, so I'm from Tarpon Springs, Florida in the Tampa Bay area and uh, went to elementary school, middle school, high school, all there, and then uh, went to Clemson University for college, and just recently graduated with my degree in mechanical engineering um, in December, and uh, moved here afterwards. Um, but how that, that story specifically came about was, uh, I moved here to Nashville with a guy by the name of Jimmy Mitchell, sure, uh, who's yeah. a, you know, a very big national name, you know? <laughs> yeah. and uh, uh, I, I lived in his house, his men's house, I, I took a semester off from school and interned in the area as I lived in his house and lived uh, a rhythm of prayer and work and uh, eating, f- feasting and fasting all in, all in his house, everything. <laughs> he, uh, he encouraged me to join University Catholic because I was a university age student and uh, I did and uh, met you know, my now girlfriend <laughs> and I uh, uh, started, started just kind of, you know, talking to her, getting, getting to know her a little bit and uh, ended up asking her on a date after trying to debate in my head if she was going to say yes or no. <laughs> so to clarify, it wasn't the first week that he got here. <laughs> it's like the third week, the second <laughs> maybe, you know, it's pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but basically I was, I was kind of going back and forth. Maybe I should ask her friends, you know, if she, you 
you know, what, what's going on or, you know, and then, then I, I kind of prayed about it a little bit and realized, you know, like a, a true act of manhood would be to just, just ask her outright to be on a date rather than asking her friends, you know, or asking, you know, who, who I might like, know. Right. You ask her for it. Exactly. Exactly. Instead of like beating around this bush, just, just going right to her and saying, Hey, I, I like you and I want to take you on a date and I think you're pretty and I think you're beautiful, you know, and, and things. So. You know, and I, I worked up the confidence to finally ask her on a date. She actually said no first. So surprisingly, I, I was I was very surprised, and a lot of my friends, you know, I, I, that I told about this were pretty surprised too. You know, she asked if, if we could if we could be friends first because I you know I did just move here, just like Father John had said, Father Javon had said, and. Uh, so, so basically we became friends and, uh, started just hanging out and, uh, getting to know each other. And, um, you know, when I felt like the time was right about six months later, I asked her on another date again and she said, yes. So, uh, it was, it was a time of, you know, pursuing her in a, in a, in a friendship way. Um, but also, uh, in a, in a way that was still intentional and, uh, still, um, still loving six months what can you talk about that the importance of building a friendship maybe seeing how the other person interacts interacts with people in a group um i guess what, what was that six months like for you because you're right it is easy to say after three weeks this is my intentions and but to have to wait what can you talk about that from the yeah. side? well um yeah it was difficult no no doubt uh because uh, she was in the place of, you know, not right now, you sure. know, maybe, maybe later, you know, I wasn't, wasn't for sure if she was, you know, here to say, you know, like yes all the way or no all the way, you know, I was just, um, I was just kind of pursuing her as a friend and that's all I really could do. Mm -hmm. So for, for six months, you know, I, I did just slowly get to know her and pursue her in group settings and one-on-one. -on -one. Um, COVID was also going around pretty heavily at that time. So uh, that, that also kind of threw a whole wrench in everything. But I was still able to intentionally phone call her and uh, phone call her friends and talk with her and hang out with her, but still show that I'm still interested. So it was kind of a balance of I, I still have to be her friend completely, but I also still have to show her that I am interested. And, um, you know, I praise God, you know, when I asked her again on the second day, she ended up saying yes. But, yeah. That's amazing. We just had Courtney Soto on in our last episode to talk about the whole concept of dating. Being straightforward, being direct, <clears throat> being vague doesn't exactly bring a girl weak to her knees. Mm -hmm. We say, do you want to hang out and watch Netflix? That's um, correct. But what, what was it? So what was, you were able to define the relationship after that six months. I was like, this is my intention as, as a man. Yep. I, I'm, I'm so big when it comes to, to men and dating. I'm just so big on clarity sure. and honesty, especially from the beginning. You know, and I, 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 a couple of my guy friends sometimes give me a call and ask for advice and things. And I'm like, tell her how you feel. You know, why, why are you beating around a bush? Why are you trying to hide your feelings when you could just say, hey, I think you're pretty? And I want to take you on a date. Mm -hmm. It's just that simple. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to start rather than, um, oh, you know, you know, maybe asking her friends first. Oh, is she single? Is she is she taken or is she interested or all this? Rather than saying that, letting it just be between you two and saying, hey, I, I think you're pretty and I'd love to take you on a date. So I, I kind of loved hearing your passion just for building up a, 
a strong community of uh, having other men around you. You kind of hinted at it earlier when I met you. What can you tell us about what you're doing as, as a college student with either men's ministry? You mentioned purity. Yeah. What, what was your what was going on there in your college? Yeah. Uh, so at Clemson, uh, when I first came to Clemson, I, I got into a fraternity called uh, BYX, which is a, a Christian men's fraternity. Sure. Um, in order to try to start cultivating, like you're talking about, men's community. And uh, I fell in love with it, very much so enjoyed it, and then found a way to take some of those guys and some of the guys at the Catholic Center and join together to make a, uh, a men's group uh, Bible study as well as a purity group. Uh, so the men's group Bible study was, was formulated similar to a focused Bible study, very intentional. And uh, we didn't have focus at the time. Now we do, but we didn't have focus at the time. So it was kind of the first time, you know, Bible studies were at Clemson's campus. I was able to just minister, you know, we, we talked about theology of the body. We talked about some bigger topics um, like, you know, dating and marriage and sex and priesthood, you know. Uh, but but while also getting started a, uh, a purity group fighting for uh, purity in our hearts uh, with, with uh, battling lust uh, temptations, but also all temptations um, and really striving for purity together as guys, which I believe is impossible to do without accountability and brotherhood. I think it gets confusing sometimes too what, what the goal is of purity because uh, some men might come in and say, Geez, man, I don't know. This is a really tough week. There's a, there a girl I saw at school, mm-hmm. and I was really attracted to her. I thought she was beautiful. I just didn't know what to do. And it's like, yep. that's good. It's healthy to be attracted. Yeah. It just gets, it's just disoriented. What are your thoughts on how we're disoriented with? Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, lust and, and, and temperance and all that stuff. We, especially as men, we always kind of tend to go always on sex. So men are visual. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 it's so much like temperance is like when you eat a lot, you be on chase. Mm-hmm. You know, when you eat more than you should, you be on chase. When you watch more TV, and it doesn't need to be pornography, but you know, whatever it is, is when you have the desires of your flesh and you fulfill those desires, when those desires are not healthy, that's against chastity, you know, because a lot of times when we think about chastity, it's like, oh, it's sex. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't have sex. Yeah, oh, I can. can't masturbate. Mm-hmm. Or I can't watch porn. And yes, but that is not the, f- the fullness of it. Mm-hmm. You know, a chaste person is a person who acts with temperance. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it's not eating the fifth sandwich. It's maybe not watching five hours of Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's maybe, I mean, it's maybe not spending the whole day in the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, so like there's a lot of, of type of type of chastity that we don't realize because we always relate it to sex. Mm-hmm. Sure. Can you tell us about what you do with the group of fraternists and even more so with Hawk and define what those groups are, what their purposes are and yeah. involved? Definitely, definitely. So I moved here uh, pretty recently and uh, started getting involved in Hawk and Fraternus. Both are uh, versions of fraternus. Hawk is specifically an accountability group um, for high school aged men um, that are a little bit more mature and looking for honesty, accountability, um, willingness, and um, 
a chastity, uh, H-A-W-C. <laughs> so those men um, are kind of in that little bit next stage of life. They're transitioning maybe to college, maybe to something kind of looking forward into the future. And then uh, the fraternus itself is just a, uh, an organization to promote good manhood, um, true manhood, true Catholic manhood through um, the through basically older mentors uh, working in the hearts of younger guys and sometimes you know we usually start by playing games and then um, we'll go to uh, some dinner and then get into you know a, a topic and then split up into small groups and really discuss that topic and uh, it's really it's really just a mentorship more than anything I feel like uh, fraternus and Hawk would be nowhere without older guys and younger guys both pouring back into each other. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing about that is getting the, the, the fathers, the dads involved. That's yep. the big part of fraternities. And it's funny because sometimes we see this in the, in the parish, you know, like, yeah, we want fraternities. And then when the, because unfortunately, a lot of those groups are like, yeah, I want to babysit for my kids. Here it is. Take them. Mm-hmm. I'll come back in two hours. Peace out. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it can't be like, it cannot be like that, you mm-hmm. know. And then also they have the, uh, the, the version of the fraternities for the girls. And I'm not So it's kind of the same way. It's not about like babysitting for two hours. Mm-hmm. You have, and it's funny because we see the reaction of the dads. Oh, and that means that they also have to go through the conversion process, you know, because like, okay, if you're going to tell your kids to be chased, or if you're going to your kids to do this and to, you know, live their virtues, guess what? you have to be the first one to do this. So it, it's always fun to see like, yeah, we all about, you know, Shani's fraternity group in my parish. And then, <laughs> and then when we actually explain what does that mean, it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I know we're talking a lot about, yeah, what, what men are going through. I think one of the things I remember from uh, being a high school involved in fraternities, they talked a lot about the, the, the father wound, I guess, what, what these dads that are showing up maybe in the parishes, what space they're feeling maybe that's that that's not there what can you say about that as, a, as an older man now just being a father figure in a way i don't know if that's the right way yeah no i, I know what you're trying to say zach um, role model, I guess. yeah yeah so i i just have to share this last semester i went through a book with some guys and uh it was called fathered by god it's uh written by john eldridge the same guy that writes wild at heart and it's kind of like the wild at heart 2.0 but it's a little bit more practical so Wild at heart kind of calls your heart out as a man you know like who do you need to be as a man do you have what it takes and then father by god takes it to the next step and says here's what manhood looks like practically and uh he works through a lot of this what you're talking about like the father wound and in, in, in the heart of a young boy or a teenager or a, you know a 20 year old guy and it, it was just so inspiring to me because he took all of these previous men versions of men and and called it one journey of manhood so he took adam noah moses he took jesus christ the apostles then he took modern day saints like c.s lewis for example and put all of them together and said all of these men have something in common and it's a journey of manhood and it, it starts with boyhood goes to uh the cowboy the stage of a cowboy the stage of a warrior the stage of a lover the stage of a king and the stage of a, of a sage, you know, like an, an, an older guy um, that pours back in. But basically, um, at Fraternus, you know, at least my vision and, and uh, when it comes to this father wound, has this incredible opportunity to 
complete the stages of manhood in its full. So basically um, having fathers around, you know, for boys, you know, the, uh, the stage of boyhood has to be fully about the father affirming that son, right? And if, if you haven't been affirmed by a father or a father figure in your life, then the other stages of manhood can't even be started or completed. So it's like it's, you have to come to some sort of completion with the previous stage before you go to the next one. And I've seen with my own two eyes, you know, at Fraternus, when dads do get involved, how it opens the kid's heart to love the Lord more. And then after that happens, how much the dad is even more changed. Right. So like this, this father son, I've seen I've seen examples at Fraternus where, you know, the, the father ends up, you know, taking on his faith. He starts coming to Fraternus weekly. He shares a little bit about his faith, why he does what he does. And then all of a sudden the son takes this interest and is able to be affirmed, risen up and be able to move on to the next stage of, of life. And I think that's important because you cannot give what you don't have. You know, like looking at my own my own father and his father, you know, my my grandfather, he was a provider, but that was it. That was his role on the, their kids. You know, they had eight kids, but he was a provider. Mm. That's it. All the love, all that stuff, it was my grandmother. Mm. You know, so that's how my dad was, you know, that was how my dad was raised. And then that's what he brought to me. So mm. I think that, you know, that whole fraternity and the whatever kind of thing that we do is that opportunity for the dads to realize that. And for people who are listening to us, you know, perhaps 99% of the guys who are listening to us are not going to be priests, they're going to be married men, right. you know, so it's like, and it's, it takes courage for us to look inside of ourselves like, hey, I'm wounded. Mm. I am wounded, you know. Like yesterday, gospel was. The merciful father, you yeah. know. What do we learn from that? I mean, just as there's so many beautiful paintings of just of yeah. the hands of mercy. And, yeah, but I think the big, so you know what it stuck to me all the time? I see the father as, you know, that man get his coffee, go to the porch, and say, he'll come back. Mm. Just get, you know, he's just waiting, he'll come back. Mm. You know, and that's that's how the how that's how God the Father is with us. It doesn't matter, you know, how much we screw up or how much it doesn't matter. He's always there. You know, that image is like you know on the, on the rocky chair on the, on the porch, mm. just waiting. Like he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. And, and there was one time. It was guy. This guy was. We were doing spiritual direction, and he wanted to go to confession. But you know, God put really intense on my heart. He was just joking with the sacraments, and, and I just say, "Are you really sorry?" And he kind of what? I said, "I don't think you are." He's like, "I don't think I am either. I'm just mm-hmm. using this." I said, "Get out of my face. Go pray. Go find what you want. And whenever you're ready to come back, I'll be here." It took a year for him to come back, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? You know, like that. But he said, thank you for doing that with me because I was just playing with the sacraments. I was just, I was not taking this serious. I said, I know, you know, but it's like he came back. So it's, it's that God is always waiting for us. You know, he, he. And I mean, I cannot get out of my, of my mind that, you know, that image of the, you know, God of the dad being on the porch waiting for us to come back, waiting for us mm-hmm. to to come back. I mean, there's no, you know, I'm here. 
come back. Mm. I'm here, come back. And then when we, you know, that's the younger son. I sin against heaven and I'm against you. I do not deserve to be called your son. Mm-hmm. And that's true. I mean, that's what happened every time that we sin. You know, we do not deserve. But because God is that God that waits for us, he wants us to get back to him. And he's recognizing our wounds, recognizes, recognizing the things that we did wrong. And then it's like, I need to get up and go to my father. And, and remember, the younger son did not want to be back as the son. No. He wanted to be back as his slave. He called him the son of yours. He didn't call him his brother. The yeah, but the younger son was like, he he, he, he knew because, I mean, in, in that gospel, we can't, I mean, we can't spend hours and hours and days in retreats of that gospel. When he said, I want my part of the inheritance, what he said to the dad, I want you to be dad. I don't belong to you. I don't care for you. I want you dad. Give me your, the only thing that you are to me is your money. Give me your money. I want you dad. And he go, he spends everything and all that. And then he, until, and, and, and the funny thing about the gospel is, he did not repent at the beginning. He was hungry. He he came back not because oh you know look what I did. He was hungry. He was in need. He was hungry, and then he came back. So we have to recognize that in our lives, you know, are we coming back to God just because we're hungry? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's perhaps this, that's a whole new episode itself. You know, like why do we go to confession? Do we go to confess just to receive communion? Are we really sorry? Are we just use that because, hey, I know that I can't go to confess communion if I don't go to, I have this seat. But are we really trying to, 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 to live our lives as somebody who is trying? Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's kind of a, that's a whole other different. Yeah, no, we're, we want to have a great episode on the sacrament of reconciliation, especially in this Lenten time. Um, what what do you see, or what did you see as a in college and, and a young man in their in their late teens and twenties, as far as uh, how we how we view that sacrament? Because it can be like where you I guess take advantage of it or to say it's okay, I can I can come back or not be not fully step up to the plate. But do you see the, the young man that you were dealing with saying it's time to be serious about this now and not kind of sugarcoat what, what I'm saying in there, but to really step up to the plate in a sense. Did you see men really stepping up? I did. Yeah, I did, Zach. Um, it took some time, though, um, and this is what I, I wanted to talk about a little bit with, with men in general. Jason Everett has has a book, and uh, he talks about how uh, men, when it comes to, like, uh, you know, being attracted uh, to, a, to a woman or to something, they're kind of like a light bulb. You know, they, they're attracted within seconds, you know, and women you know, they heat up like an iron, right? It takes time. It takes, you gotta, you gotta heat them up. You know, the the attraction comes over time, right? It comes with, you gotta learn who they are, where they come from, you know, you know, what they can do for you, you know? And, uh, and that's true for men and women for attraction. But when it comes to, uh, like involvement, you know, especially with, with Catholic things, I've noticed that it's kind of the The opposite. It's kind of the the opposite. Women are, you know, they're kind of the light bulb. They turn right on and they show up and, uh, they come to all the events and they're, you know, they're always here. And, and then the men, you're like, where, where do they all go? You know, where, where are they? And it's because a lot of times those men need to be intentionally 
you know, sought after as a friend and a brother first, you know, by a sister or by, you know, a brother of theirs, you know, like spiritually, once they're pursued and, and, and they, they feel included, they can actually start coming to things. So it took, you know, about two years realistically before we had guys showing up to confession on a monthly basis. And, um, it went from, you know, maybe a guy or two coming to daily mass and a guy or two coming to confession once a month to, you know, 30 guys coming to daily mass and 30 guys going to confession once a month, you know, and that the reason why that happened was because myself, the Lord and so many other good guys that could teach me how to do this, you know, I was able to intentionally, you know, talk to guys about, Hey, this is the sacrament of confession. This is, this is why you should go. This is why I go and I'll go with you. You know, you know, same, same with other guys that, that were leading this charge with me. Yeah, it's strange, especially when it goes to, you know, chastity and, and, you know, sexual scenes and everything is always like a taboo, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. it's a scene just like any other scene, just go get over it, get over yourself, go there, if you, you know, you should be ashamed by, to do the scene, not to go to confession, mm-hmm. you know, but it's always like that, you know, that taboo in our society is like, oh, if it isn't, you know, you know, I mean, sometimes you just even see the guys like, Hey, Father, I lie, I do this. And I punch it. You know, so it's like, I mean, it's a scene just just any other scene. And there's no reason for you to be ashamed or there's no reason, you know. That is, going back, it's recognized just like the younger son. I see that it's happening against you and don't deserve to be called, you know, your son. But here I am and I want to try again. I want to try again. And, and just like, you know, through the, through the words of, of the absolution, it's just like the merciful father that comes and say, I'm glad you're here. Here's a new robe. Here's your ring back. Here's the sameness of you, you know. Now you are, you were lost and you are being found. That's, that, 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 that's the beauty in it. Here at the cathedral, in the confessional, we have a painting of the, of the prodigal son. And it's, it's pretty cool, I was talking to you, Eric out of there said, that painting should be on my back so that people can see. Mm. And, and Father Eric said some fingers like, no, I need to see that because I act as a merciful father. Mm. So I have to remind myself, so it's like, can we put two pictures? <laughs> <laughs> because I too have to go to confession. I experienced that as well, you know, and I have to remind myself that I am that merciful father that doesn't get frustrated that a person is coming every day, you know, that, but it's here and it's willing to welcome the people back as the good father does. Oh, well, Matt, we appreciate you sharing your testimony, what you're doing, what you have done in college and what you're doing now here in Nashville. So thank you for sharing uh, your testimony here with us. Yeah, thank you, Zach. We thank everyone in our listening audience. We hope you're able to take home uh, something today to, to, to reflect on, whether it's in dating or, or growing up as a young adult. Uh, but remember, you can find our podcast uh, wherever you get your shows by searching for Belonging for Young Catholic Adults, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're also on 100.5 FM on Thursdays at 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. Or you can always find us online at NashvilleCR.com. Uh, Special thank you to Matt, Father Gervon, Jim Crow, that does a lot with our show. My name is Zach Jansen. Thank you for listening to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio.